Honestly, TJ, am I asking for too much for the Minnesota Timberwolves to just disappear out of my life? Because my life would be a lot more easier if they weren't in it. Twenty twenty one, year eighteen, and there is still no sign of LeBron James slowing down. Best player in the world by a mile. The Lakers will repeat as twenty twenty one NBA champions. It's time for the Triple Threat Podcast. Here are your hosts, PJ Severo and Steven Strong. And here we go now, episode one oh four of the Triple Threat Podcast, Steven Strom with my man TJ Severo. Per usual, a lot to get into, a lot of great stuff. Great weekend, honestly, of sports. We had the NFL kick us off with a fantastic slate of divisional games. We'll react to that. We also will preview the championship games this weekend, what to look out for, our predictions. And you know that I'm going to have to run back our predictions from last week. Uh, you know, when, when you do really well, you can't wait to share it. When you don't, you kind of forget about it. But I will bring that up, and then we'll get into some NBA as well. TJ Savara, my man, how are you doing? Uh, you brought a lot of energy to that intro. That, that was a really energetic <laughs> intro by you right there. Um, I'm good, man. Uh, me and Steve had a nice phone call before uh, we started recording the podcast. Just uh, put us in a good mood. It, it, yep. was, a, it was a good phone call. Uh, Steve, just, you know, real happy that, uh, that we've been able to do the podcast, man, through, you know, crazy times. And, and just thinking back after the phone call, Steve, I was just thinking back to, like, me and you at practice, you know, during the high school teams when we're stretching in the warm-up lines. Course. And it's just me and you sitting there talking about, you know, anything, NFL, NBA, MLB, whatever it was. Just, you know, if you send all, all those years back to, you know, to now the over 100 conversations that we've had recorded. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's crazy. And it's fun to be where we're at. It's, it's, uh, it's good. It's, it's a good time to be alive. Man. Don't get nostalgic on me, Tej. I'm excited. You're getting me upset. But if you, he's right. <laughs> no, it, no, no, dude. I'm just, it's just, dude, I'm so, I'm just crazy. Just, you know, just to where where you're at now, where I'm at now, it's, it's awesome. It's and awesome what, that, thing, that good, and that good you, things happen to good people. Yes, I agree with that. And if you knew TJ and I and you were at the practices, you know, we would just kind of go back and forth about sports. So you kind of saw this coming. I, I don't know how we sort of ended up here, but it all happens for a reason, right? And, and what TJ is alluding to with the phone call, we did have a really nice phone call. There are going to be some changes coming up um, in the next couple of weeks, so we will get to that. Probably not this episode or the, the week after that, but we do definitely have some, some news to share as well. But right now, we got to get in some NFL. And let me first start off, Teach, with the um, Packers-Rams game. And the Packers ended up winning 32-18. I basically just want to go over these four games over the weekend. We'll, we'll just do takeaways from each game. Um, but I'm interested to hear you on this one because I can't wait to talk, you know, Ravens-Bills with your boy Lamar. But we will start with That's Packers not. and the Rams. Rodgers, 23 of 36, 296, two passing touchdowns and one just absolutely beautiful uh, rushing touchdown. Interesting stat going into next week. Rodgers is 0-3 in his last three NFC Championship games. Lost to the 49ers, lost to Seattle, and then lost to Atlanta when they got to the Super Bowl. So, Teej, what was your sort of takeaway from from Saturday's game, uh, Packers and Rams? Um, I was thinking about my biggest takeaway is if Aaron Rodgers pulls this thing off, and this isn't necessarily so much about the um, the actual game itself. It's just kind of the big picture. Um, they uh, 
if Rodgers does this and they do end up winning the Super Bowl, you know, and this was the first game of the run, he, he looked exactly how he looked in the regular season. Steve, I think a lot of people will argue that it's the best season ever, single season ever for a quarterback. Yeah. And, and watching Rodgers, you know, this Sunday, even where in spots where you would think that, you know, this Packers team had a chance to slip up, the, the Rams had a lot of momentum in that game. Uh, you know, Rodgers ends up throwing that beautiful ball to Lazard after Lazard probably dropped an easy touchdown earlier in the game, <laughs> you know, kind of clinches it right there. But um, Devontae Adams, Steve, like I was saying, just a special player. My God. Aaron Jones is going to be a free agent. And I know a lot of people, such as yourself, are against paying running backs the big money. But my God, is he valuable to that uh, to that Packers offense. So I think that performance kind of seals his, his spot in free agency. And uh, as, as far as the Rams go, man, I'm just uh, – Super impressed by Sean McVay though. I think they were really undermanned. Um, people didn't really like this roster coming to the season, all being, you know, they have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, but a lot of people didn't like the rest of the roster and especially the rest of the secondary. Sean McVay teams always come ready to play, and it's always competitive. And the fact that they, you know, they got into the playoffs and they won a game and now they're here, it just yep. – uh, it was it was a good run for the Rams. And I think, you know, this was a really good job by, uh, by Sean McVay. And – on the opposite side of that, I think it's time to start putting some respect on Matt LaFleur's uh, name and as one of the best coaches in the NFL. All right, let me, let me first address the Rams' comment because it's a great one. First, I just want to just off the weekend, I think two teams that lost I feel really good about, and that is the Rams and the Browns going forward. The Rams being one of them, I'll get into them really quickly because TJ sort of alluded to how impressed he was with the way that McVay handled this year and how great the defense was. And let's not forget, Wade Phillips, left I mean he didn't re he didn't bring Wade Phillips back he brings you know this new kid in that does a phenomenal job with the defense that just shows Sean McVay his intelligence versus everyone else look this Rams team probably shouldn't have been here they probably shouldn't have beaten Seattle but I think they're going to continue to improve I think Jared Goff is going to continue to grow I thought he played pretty well you know given the circumstance and I think there's two teams that kind of go home. Yes, they lost, but I would feel really good about where they're at in the L.A. Rams and the Cleveland Browns. So I agree with that. Number two, Matt LaFleur. Yes, I mean, listen, Matt LaFleur's lost six games in two years. I mean, it's pretty crazy yeah. to think that this guy has come in here and torn the league up, and you really don't hear a lot. When it comes to, like, best coach in the league, you think Andy Reid, McVay. I think it's time to start to give some some credit to Matt LaFleur. I, I know that he's got Aaron Rodgers. I know that he's got different guys that are talented. But what happened with Mike McCarthy, right? Like, this isn't easy. This is not an easy thing to do to step into a situation, especially with Aaron Rodgers, and have the success that he's had. So I agree, Teach. Steve, as, as we're sitting here right now, um, you know, uh, my father, Tommy Savaro, is next to me. Uh, he's sitting here. He's already, I think we're two minutes in, three minutes into our conversation. He's disagreeing. He's sitting here rolling. Out. Yeah, he's rolling there his we eyes. Go. So, Dad, you could, uh, whatever you got to say, get, what, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? What are your, what were your takeaways? Well, LaFleur plays in a dull shit division, so easy. <laughs> what is that, easy six wins a year? Yeah. So, get, he starts off uh, Why is it, a, it's not a bad division. Oh, uh, please. The Bears were a playoff team and the Vikings Bears were a competitor. absolute garbage. They have no one to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So why? So timeout though. Here's so here would be that my division's not response. garbage. It's not yeah, garbage. I, I agree. You know? I would disagree with that. If that's so garbage, no what's the NFC the, East? NFC is the worst, worst division in football. My thing here. Here's my thing with Lafleur. Um, and this is you know I'm not an X's and O's football guy the way I could be with with basketball, but 
Um, in football, I, I trust the guy like Dan Orvlowski. I know people always mainstream on ESPN, but I think he does a really good job of breaking things down. And a big reason as to why I wanted Mike LaFleur with Robert Sala to come coach my team in the Jets um, was because Matt LaFleur does a, real, a lot of good job. Uh, like he does a really good job of getting his guys in motion and getting the matchups that he wants. And Aaron Rodgers talks about it. Like he, I was listening to him with Pat McAfee today, you know, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Yeah. Um, he talks about how – Rodgers talks about how they do a, a really, really good job of their, their play action. It's designed exactly as their run. Like they do – he thinks that they do a better job of that than really anyone else in the league. And that, that the reason why Lazard is able to get wide open for a touchdown at the end of the game there is because he sells his block on that safety and then just takes off mm. one the corner gets his eyes in the backfield. So just like the little breakdowns like that, I've just been really impressed by by Matt LaFleur. Yeah, and I, I think – and don't freak out when I say this, and, and now I have to be extra careful because Tommy Savaro is like a shark ready to attack. But I really think that Green Bay's offense, it's not as flashy as Kansas City's, but I think it's just as like potent. I still think it's just as explosive. You don't have the big names like Kelsey Hill and different guys that are just speedsters. But I think Green Bay still, like, has that type of offense where they're putting up, you know, 30-plus points a game. They're going to put up, I think, 30-plus points a game uh, against Tampa tomorrow, uh, next week. So I, I, I'm drawing that comparison because I think there's, there's this kind of mindset that it's the Chiefs offense and then it's a significant drop-off. I don't think it is, Teach. I, I think that Green Bay doesn't have the flashiness, doesn't have the big names, but I think they're just as potent as uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I would, I would say it potent. Okay. Maybe the explosiveness, you have to give the edge to the Chiefs. Of course, of course. Uh, but, but what the Packers do better than way better than Kansas city is run the ball. They have, what do they have? Almost 200 rushing yards against the, uh, the Rams. They, they, they had a really good game. I know Aaron Jones had a good game. Dylan had some moments, even though he fumbled, uh, Jamal Williams. Yeah. Aaron Jones, 99 yards rushing. Jamal Williams, 65 yards rushing. Uh, Dylan, 27 AJ Dylan yards too. rushing. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they were just, you know, that, that's a three-headed monster back there. They look, they look good. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Green Bay versus Tampa Bay, but big win for the pack, definitely. All right, I'm licking my chops. Bills, Ravens, this, this is the game. I, have, I was waiting to watch this game. I had TJ Severo, the Lamar Jackson supporter, in my corner. And I, I just, you know, teach this was one of those games, man, where 17-3, the Bills end up winning. Lamar Jackson, 14 of 24, 162 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, and it was a huge one. Pick six in the red zone. It completely changed the game. Josh Allen, 23 of 37, 206 yards, one touchdown. And my boy Diggs, eight receptions, 106, and a touchdown. Takeaway, Teach. Um, you probably heard Shannon Sharp say it. I agreed with him on Monday morning. I'm officially saying that Lamar Jackson is the Giannis of the NFL. Um, a guy that he's, he's a tremendous in the regular season, but when it gets to the postseason, he doesn't know how to get to that either next level or he doesn't know how to get to that next move. Same thing with Giannis. It's the same exact principle. And again, I, I called it last week. I told you, nice win. There was so much confidence going into this week with the Ravens. I'm like, why? Why? why, why? Let's calm down. And they put up three points against the Bills. And look, it was a good defensive effort from Leslie Frazier, but you should never score three points against the Buffalo Bills. I don't care who you are and where you're playing. My thing with it, Steve, um, 
I'm not ready to, and honestly, like people say Giannis, like I easily, I wouldn't be beyond shocked if Giannis wins the NBA championship this year. Just like I wouldn't have been beyond shocked if Lamar won the Super Bowl. I know that's probably an unpopular I'd be opinion shocked. at this point in time. But, but Steve, I think this game changed. And I know you could say that you had the whole rest of the game. Ravens get the ball, come out hot. They're moving the ball in field goal range. Justin Tucker misses a kick. Mm. Three. So they, they, you could have went up first. It could have put some pressure on them. I think it would have been, I think it would have made it a little bit of a different game. Losers um, kick field another, goals on the road. I know he missed another, another, uh, another field goal later in that half as well, which I thought swung momentum again. I, you know, listen, I, Lamar obviously didn't play great, but I think if those kicks go, then, uh, I think if those kicks go, then it's, we're talking about a different game. I don't think Josh Allen and the Bills were, were, partic- were particularly great in this game. They were good. They made the plays when they had to, but not like the Bills that we've been seeing, what, the last 10 weeks or so here? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I think also with Lamar, I think they still got to build the team around him. Like, the defense is really good, but, okay, you drafted J.K. Dobbins. You got Hollywood Brown, but they need more explosive players on the outside, on the perimeter. They need – I think they still need a few more playmakers, a guy who could just take the ball and, and you know, house it on any play. Um, I would like to see them go skill position in, in the first round in a draft that's super loaded with the skill position. Obviously, Lamar, is it's not conventional. Like, he's never going to get it done in the way that, you know, a guy like Rodgers or Brady or Breeze or Peyton get it done. But this it's kind of my thing like this, Steve. And I say this with a bunch of different sports. Like, does how you matter – like, does losing pretty matter to people? Like – Chris Paul has never won a championship. He gets, you know, eliminated. He's had a lot of, you know, failing – what people would say playoff failures. But, you know, he loses pretty, whereas someone like Westbrook is out of control and he's shooting bad shots and it's turnovers and it's uh, one-on-four in transition, putting up a layup, like things like that. So Chris Paul and Westbrook have the same result, but Chris Paul loses – in a well, you feel differently about it. Eye. Yeah, you feel differently about it. And I, I, I guess people do feel differently about it. I still think Lamar could be the quarterback on a Super Bowl team. I still really like Lamar. I understand the criticism, and I'm not – and I understand I'm, I'm in the, the unpopular opinion here, but this is a guy who won MVP of the NFL last year. And, fluke, um, I'm fluke. Still, I'm, still in, I'm still in on Lamar. Go ahead, Dad. Is, uh, uh, will the Ravens give Lamar that big extension? Yes, absolutely, no yep, question. They're probably going to do that. Uh, they have what they've lost six games since Lamar's taken over a quarterback. I think that he teach. Listen, there's a lot quarterback. You could be out there with a bunch of bum quarterbacks. Lamar's not a bum quarterback. Teach. Yeah, I want to, I want to ask you this. Who do you feel better about going into the off season? Lamar Jackson after this year or Baker Mayfield? I would still, I would still rather Lamar on my team. Okay. Cause I, I feel a lot more better about Baker Mayfield and, and we'll get into that game. But again, I, I say this though. I, I I will say this, though, Steve. I will say this. I was very wrong on Josh Allen, probably the most I've ever been wrong about a quarterback. Um, maybe outside of Mark Sanchez, but that was biased. I thought Sanchez was going to be great. Um, the Sanchez. But, uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, listen. If Josh Allen pulls us off and goes to the Super Bowl here. Josh Allen is already unquestionably the quarterback for the, for the Bills for the next 10 to 15 years. But um, I do have to – I have to own up and take my L on that one for anyone out there who's listening. It's like, oh, TJ, you, you, were, out on Lamar, you were out on Josh Allen. You like Lamar over him. Okay, I understand. I'll take my L. Happens. Jets had drafted as successful as he is now. Absolutely not. No. No, he would have been, been better than Donald, though. He would have been better than when Sam. Steve Young came into the league. I drafted by Tampa Bay. No one gave him a second thought. He went to the 49ers, behind, sat behind Montana and had Bill Walsh as a coach. He's a Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, I, I think Josh Allen could be on that Hall of Fame, you know, career arc right now. He didn't have to – not kind of like Steve Young, weird comparison, but they play similar. But um, I think I think uh, Josh Allen is, uh, is an elite quarterback in the league, easily in the top ten. And I think it's time you start mentioning him with, you know, that top seven upper echelon. Tough, tough for me to tough pill for me to swallow there, Steve. But I, I had to had to wash my sins away. All right, admitting is the first step. Let's move on. Bucks, Saints, Bucks thirty, Saints twenty. I was all over this one, TJ Savarro. Really quickly, I just want to share these picks. Steven went four and zero. Had the Pack, Bills, Chiefs, yeah. and Bucks. TJ had the Packers, Ravens, Chiefs, and Saints. Um, TJ, yeah. I was all over this one. You know, I'm going to pump my chest again today. I felt like yeah. Drew Brees again um, probably shouldn't be playing right now. Um, Regardless of the rib situation, I just think it was you. I, you really saw it. It was really palpable to see Drew Brees' sort of demise with his arm. And even last year, it just didn't seem like it was sharp. Like the Vikings beat them last year in the playoffs. Just if I'm a Saints fan, I mean, these last couple of years have been absolutely brutal. You lose to the Bucks this year at home. You lose to the Vikings the year before that. You get robbed against the Rams on that defensive pass interference call. And then before that, you had the Minneapolis miracle. Um, that's my first thing. Like, if you're a Saints fan, you got to be sick. And, and for Brees to go out like this, and you know he's done after everything that has surfaced, 19 of 34, 134 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. The one thing about Drew Brees is Brees does not turn the ball over. And that, that game on Sunday, man, you, I actually felt bad. And I'm not even a big Brees guy, to be honest with you. And I fell for him. Um, and Tom Brady, 18 of 33, 199, two touchdowns. I thought the Bucks ran the ball really well. Fournette, who came out of nowhere with 63 yards. Jones with 62. I think my big takeaway, Tej, is Taysom Hill. I think he was missed, man. I mean, as much as like I hammer him and I'm not a huge Taysom Hill guy, he comes in and he provides some uneasiness on the defensive side because Sean Payton is very sly. He's kind of Macadavian with, with Taysom Hill. And – um, I think they missed that. Uh, and, then, and then my second takeaway is that Drew Brees is done. That, that would be it. I will say this, Steve. I was wrong on the game. You were correct. You did go 4-0. But the, to me, the swing of the game, the Saints are up 20-13. to 13. They just got to stop. They got the ball back. They are third and two. Jared Cook catches like a seven-yard slant over the middle. Breaks the – crosses over the 50. He's now in uh, – he's now in – Bucks territory fumbles and you know they recover pick it up run it run it back to like I think in the red who zone created that fumble, TJ Severo who created the fumble do you who know was it? who was it Antoine Winfield Jr. at Tommy Severo where did he go to college Antoine Winfield Jr. yeah he was in Minnesota Oh, Minnesota. Okay. There you go. Good job. All right, continue. It has to be, right? It has to be a gopher. Continue. Yeah. But I think, to me, that changed the game right there. Brady gets the ball. Did we did we have to do? Got in the end zone. Um, I thought, like you said, the, the Bucks were really effective running the football. Ronald Jones, and I know people clown on him, and I like Ronald Jones because he's on my dynasty team and whatnot. But um, he was the number one, uh, number one player in the NFL this year in yards after contact as a running back, yards after first contact. Like, Ronald Jones is, is a good player. And not having him last week and now having him this week, you see the difference and you see the uh, element it creates for that offense. So um, I, I think the Bucks looked really good. Like, that's a really good win for them. Four, yeah, I do three too. Or four turnovers, whatever it was, against Drew Brees. Now going to Lambeau, that, that's a really good win for them. Tom Brady, you know when, when it's a tie game in the fourth quarter yeah. of the playoffs, you got that Brady's going to pull it out. Uh, Dad, I, what, you're shaking. I don't think it was a big deal. The, the, uh, the Saints – 
in the last three playoff games at home with the home uh, favorites, and they lost every single game. So, mm. and, and now couple that with Breeze on his way out, I, I didn't see a chance for the Saints to win. Oh, so you thought it was it was the the Bucks all the I way? I was in a, in a inevitable. Okay. <laughs> Good, Steve. Um, cold weather, Brady. Uh, does that still apply after he spent the last you know seven months in Florida? That's kind of my big question going into next week, and we'll talk about it, but. I don't know. I mean, Brady was in an interview and they said, is your blood thin now? And he said, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's nice down there. So I don't know because the Bucks have always been the perennial can't go outside kind of with the Vikes, except, you know, the Vikes actually live in cold weather, but they play in a dome. They have that sort of stigma that they can't go and play in Lambeau. And I, I, I still think that um, when you play outside like that, like the Packers do, it's an c- incredible advantage. So I think that is definitely a question that we'll talk about as we move forward for our previewing. Last thing on, on Tampa, how about Tampa sports, both of you? Tampa Bay Rays getting to the World Series, although they lost. Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. And how about the Bucks? How about the year with Tampa Bay for sports? Great year. Tampa Bay, wherever Brady goes, the winning comes, right? <laughs> yep. All right, Chiefs and Browns. Uh, this was probably the scariest game of the weekend for a lot of reasons. Uh, hashtag anything is possible. It was sort of scary watching Mahomes get tackled like that and kind of freeze up because, let's be honest, like I, Mahomes is the NFL. Mahomes makes the NFL a lot entertaining. He, he, like if he doesn't play next week, my interest level just completely drops. And the the win if the Bills do end up winning is so significantly downplayed to me because this guy is everything. And this was just, um, this was a, this was a really good game. Like I'm the first to admit it. You talk about huge moments with Jared cook. The Browns are down 16 to three with two minutes left in the half. Baker, you know, throws it to Rashad Higgins and he dives forward and he fumbles a ball. And instead of it being 16, 10, uh, to touchback, the Chiefs get the ball. Chiefs come down and kick a field goal to end the half, and it's nineteen to three. Um, I, I just, I, I was really impressed with the way. We'll start with Cleveland. I was really impressed the way Cleveland gutted um, these last two weeks out. Like I, I totally respect them going into Pittsburgh. They didn't roll roll over and fold against the against the Chiefs. I know they lost by five, but. I don't know. I, I, I go into the offseason feeling really good about where the Browns are at, and you add Odell in the mix, where I know there's going to be a lot of people, including me, that says they're better without him. But I feel really good about the Browns. I feel really good about the Browns as well. I think this was a really good game for them and a really like big big moment in their franchise. Obviously, you want to you wanna win that game, and I really thought the Chiefs were dead when Mahomes went out. Um, it, it's, it's scary seeing Mahomes. He was wobbly, Steve. Oh I couldn't gosh. even stand and um, just, you know, the infrastructure of the Browns, when you look at last week, Kevin Stefanski is out. They have – I'm sorry, I don't know his name. Steps up and is the head coach and calls plays for the day for the first time. Yeah, Mike Super Prepper. impressive. They, they, they go out and they dominate the Steelers. Great win. Go to Kansas City, and most people thought, Steve, going into that second half of that game, do you know what the live line was for, um, for the Browns? Probably in the plus- 2000s. See, they were plus 16 and a half going into the second half. Oh, wow. That game looked like it was over. Mahomes gets goes out. And first off, got to give your credit to the Browns defense. And second of all, you got to give credit to Baker and the offense. They they were there. They were hanging tough. Yep. That Chiefs defense, people don't give them a lot of credit. They're good. 
Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, maybe next year is the last year that you get of those two running backs because Nick Chubb will be a free agent. But And I know they just signed Hunt, but that is the probably the best uh, duo in the league in terms of just pure talent. Nick Chubb, in my opinion, is easily a top five running back in the league. Don't, I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm talking about just pure running back. Yeah. Nick Chubb is easily in the top five, and Kareem Hunt is probably in the top ten. So um, I, I really like the direction of the Browns. I think they found their head coach and their quarterback, something that's plagued the, the organization since the beginning of the organization, something that's been plaguing the Jets as well. You just, you know, all you could do as an organization is hope that you find a quarterback and, and coach because then, you know, your, your entire organization becomes stable and, and ready to go. And I think that's what you have in Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski, Steve. So Baker goes 23 of 37, 204, one touchdown, one interception. Chubb, 13 rushes, 69 yards. Agree with everything that you're saying in regards to the future of the Browns. Um, my takeaway, and I have a couple for you, Tej, and we'll just dissect them. I want you to react to what I say. Uh, first one is the defense, and you, you sort of hit on it. You got to give credit to the Chiefs and, and the way that they, I thought, defended in this game. Again, all we talk about is how great and how explosive and how dynamic the offense is of the Chiefs, and they just they score 30 and they'll still win. The Chiefs' defense, I thought, really stepped up, especially late in that fourth quarter. You know, when Mahomes goes down, like, you look at teams' morale a lot of times when their star player goes down. I never felt like the Chiefs sort of panicked. I never felt like they were down. I didn't never felt they were, like, despondent. The fact that late in that fourth quarter they force a punt by the Browns and um, I, 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 that uh, first one is just the Chiefs defense, Teach. Yeah, no, the, I think that the best point that about them and the, and the point that you just made was the fact that their morale never went down. As soon as Mahomes goes out, I think the very next defensive possession, you would, you know, you would think that it's kind of like, like you're seeing ghosts at this point because you're like, wow, did this guy, the best player in football, did he really just go out? Are we really going to lose this game when we're supposed to win the Super Bowl? You see Travis Kelsey on the sideline just going crazy, trying to hype the fans that were there up. And, uh, you know, I think you I, – I forget. It might have been Chris Jones, the defensive lineman, makes a play in the backfield. He gets up. He's celebrating, going crazy. Their morale never wavered, which never. I think when you talk about a team that has, what, won 26 of the last 27 games that Mahomes has played in, you know, you just have that swag about you that makes, that makes your team what it is. Go ahead, Dan. If you look at the replay when Mahomes got hurt, I don't think – that his head made contact with anything. There was certainly no helmet to helmet. Uh, his head didn't bang against the turf. And I think the reason why he, he got up a little wobbly is because he hurt his ankle prior. I think it was his ankle that forced him to, to wobble. I don't think it has anything to do with his head. It was an awkward tackle, though. Like, I, I, the way that he got tackled, it was like around his neck. Over and over again. At no point... Does anything make contact with his head? But I don't think he would have missed the rest of the game if it wasn't. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, no, no. I'm not saying anyone. No one got hit in the head. I'm saying the way that he got tackled, it, it kind of was awkward on his neck. Yeah. All right. That, yeah. That, okay. I'll give you that. I'm saying, I, I don't think. If, think I think even if he couldn't walk, he would have been out there. I think even if he couldn't walk, he would have just been out there. Yeah, an ankle issue earlier in the game where he went into the tent before, and to have him run. And a big game like that was kind of a stupid play. Too. Yeah, I didn't like that play call either. But speaking of play call, yeah, Steve, continue your your. Yeah, I bet you'll ask about that. Yeah, I mean the la the the number one like most important takeaway was just Andy Reid's guts. I thought like I think Andy Reid after the Super Bowl, he's kind of in this mindset of like you know what, f it. Like I don't I I know what I am. I know what this team is like. And at fourth and inches, you're up five in an NF on an AFC divisional round. And you're at midfield, and you don't have Patrick Mahomes. You have Chad Henney. 
And the fact that Andy Reid has the guts and nuts to send his team out. And by the way, Tony Romo did an absolutely atrocious job with the call. They're lining up, and Romo's like, oh, it's smoke and mirrors. No way. Look at the body language. They're not going to – Romo, Romo, you, you don't know how – you've never been in this situation. Shut up. You, don't, you, you haven't won in these big games. Let the game play out. It's the worst thing in America when broadcasters try to take over a big moment, and that's what Romo tried to do per usual. I'm not a Romo guy. They go to the line, yeah. and the way that Andy Reid does this to me is just like next level. He not only – on fourth and inches, nine out of ten times, you're usually running the ball. He not only rolls out Chad Henney, he takes the snap with about six seconds left in the clock where everyone's thinking they're going to bring this thing down to one and they're going to waste as much time. And I just think all of that added up. And Andy Reid is like, if I just do this and I can get a split-second head start with Tariq Hill, the fastest man in the NFL, if I can just get that split-hair second, there is no shot that this thing doesn't work. And just the execution, Henny takes the snap. It's just, he rolls out. You see it. It's wide open. And it's just like, this is what winning football is, right? Like, how many coaches, and I'll be honest with you, if Andy Reid lost that Super Bowl last year, I honestly think he probably punted. I think the validation of him winning a Super Bowl last year, he got all the demons off of him. He's like, you know, F it. I'm in my, you know, 15th, 16th year. I'm one of the best coaches ever. And I'm going to do what I want. So I just thought Andy Reid's guts in that game was the story. Steve, you know how the, the term in basketball, if you like Steph Curry or Klay Thompson is shooting a wide open three, they say that's a layup. Yeah, obviously it's not a layup, but it's extremely high percentage, correct? Yep. So on that last play right there, Steve, and this is why I proclaimed Tyree Kill the best player in football last year uh, before the Super Bowl on the podcast. Tyreek Hill with a full-out sprint to the sideline is a layup. Who's guarding that? Is that? that that's a pitch and catch. It's impossible to stop him. Steve, you could have been the quarterback and made that throw. Steve Strom in the, in the Turkey Bowl. Turkey Bowl Steve Strom would have made that throw. <laughs> um, Brandon Kurtzman, Kurtzman text, he texted us after, after that play, and is like, that's a throw that you make 100 out of 100 times as an NFL quarterback. There's no risk in that throw. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, you no, know, Henny made some crazy throw. No, it was just a great gutsy call by Andy Reed, which in reality, like what's like a slow developing run play that never works on the fourth and inches or Tyree kill sprint out as fast as you could to the sideline. That's going to work 10 out of 10 times. Tyree, that is why Tyree kill is unlike any other player in the league. Just Tyree's an incredible, perfect. incredible gutsy call. And I tried, I talked to my dad this morning. He's like, what do you think Zimmer would have done? And I said, I really don't know. I, I, I want to think that Zimmer probably would have handed it to cook. But no one know like because if 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 Kansas City loses that game somehow, like we are on here, we're killing Andy Reid for going for it. Oh, how do you go for it? Mahomes isn't in. You're at midfield. You're down five. Like just the guts on on Andy Reid to do that is is just awesome. And by the way, I want to make the point because you you made the comparison um, with Steph Curry. You know when you put Tariq Hill in motion and they did it, it it, it I, I think it sends the defense in a panic it's like when Steph Curry is is running off screens and it's like wait why you rather have him you rather have Steph Curry like have the ball in his hands than go play off ball because you're just so concerned all of your attention is towards that man it's the same way with Tariq Hill when he starts moving and shaking the defense is like what the hell like what do you do do you feel like that way too I feel yeah putting Tyreek Hill in motion is the most dangerous thing you could do because now you got everyone's eyes on him 
And it, Travis Kelsey's talked about it on, on the podcast with Shannon Sharp. He said, playing with Tyreek Hill is like, you could watch all the film you want. Until you see it up close, you really don't understand. And after the first few plays of the game, when, when the defenses see Tyreek and they see really what he's doing out there, the rest of the game, he's like, you know, you talk about Steph Curry and the gravity that Steph brings to a basketball court. Tyreek Hill is same exact gravitational pull. If you don't have eyes on him at all times, he's, he's going to the house on, yep. on any given play. All right, we'll move on here. Sunday, January 24th. That's my birthday, 23 years old, Jordan year. Very nice for me. Um, Tampa Bay and Green Bay. They open up the slate, 3.05. Um, I try to get out of dinner for this. I said, can you just kind of, can we do dinner Saturday? No, no, we're doing dinner Sunday. I'm not going to argue with the lady. Uh, So I'm going out at around 6 o'clock, so hopefully we can go to somewhere with the TV. But the first one, 3.05, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay is three and, a, uh, three and a half point favorites. I assume that probably will change to two and a half as we get closer to this game. I don't think it'll move um, in Green Bay's favor. But the first thing I want to talk about, Tej, I guess, is is Tom Brady still equipped as a cold-weather quarterback because he did sort of fiend off, off these types of games where it's, it's a late January night, snowy in New England, you reverse it. Now you're in Green Bay. Do you still feel confident in Tom going on the road in a cold weather environment and putting on a show? Yes. If you have watched any Tom Brady documentaries and you've watched anything about Tom Brady, this guy fully believes that he doesn't get concussions because he won't allow his mind to get a concussion. So Tom is all about mind over matter. And if you're telling, like, Tom Brady will take that cold and just channel it and be like, I'm not cold, and he won't be cold. He'll be fine. Like, it's, it's not going to bother him. Tom is so in tune with his body and his mind. He's like robotic, it's, yeah. It's a non-factor to him. What are we talking about? We're talking about a 19-year veteran who yeah. played in New England. He played in the snowplow game. All of a sudden, he's going to be uh, have cold weather effect. Yes, Tommy Savaro, because your blood gets thinner. You get older. Tommy, Tommy Brady Tommy, might be cold. That guy's probably the best shape in the NFL. Oh, stop. <laughs> All right, so are you oh, – Tommy, are you taking the Bucks then? Oh, hell yeah. All right, there we go. Oh, yeah. He got trapped into that oh. one. He does not mean that. No, I think – When that Eli Manning has more wins, uh, playoff wins in, in Lambeau Field than uh, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Is that true? <laughs> That's not true, is it? I would say – Is it? In in this game, in this game, I'm going to go – Eli's with, got two. I don't know. I, I know Rodgers has one for sure. I think he's got more than one, Aaron Rodgers. At, at home? I got to check, gotta check that I, out. I have uh, – I'm going to take Green Bay in this game. I don't love it. I definitely wouldn't take them at three and a half. The, now, the question becomes how much stock do you put the regular season game into yeah. what how you talk about this game? Well, if you took a lot of stock in that, the Saints really smoked the Bucks twice, and then they got smoked in the playoff game, especially in that second half there against the Bucks. Um, I just think Rodgers, I just want him to cap off this, this phenomenal season. Um, I, I hope he gets the Super Bowl. I hope we get a Mahomes-Rodgers Super Bowl. It will be some of the most beautiful throws you'll ever see in a game. Are we forgetting the Bucks smoked the, the Packers this year? That's what I said. Yeah. I, I, said. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much stock I'm putting into that, Teach. because – How much stock Yeah, I mean, because you're playing at Lambeau Field. It's a completely different feel. It's, you know, you, they played earlier in the year, and the Buccaneers took it to them. There's no question about that, but – I don't know, but the way Green Bay is rolling right now, it's hard for me to pick against them. I think the play is to probably take Tampa Bay as a gambler with the points, but um, 
I think I'm leaning towards Green Bay. The only thing that kind of concerns me about them is if if the Bucks can can control time of possession, which they're able to do if they're able to run the ball, like you're saying with Fournette and Jones. I think that's that's kind of the way the recipe to beat Green Bay. And I don't want to bring up the Vikes, but I'm going to. The time where the Vikings went into Lambeau, and although you know Cook had four touchdowns, that helped, but. The Vikings outpossessed them because they ran the ball down their throats, and that's kind of the recipe to beat anyone, right? Other than like the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs can kind of win it in any type of way. But I think that's the main focus for Tampa because defensively they're very good. Like they've got a really good front four, they got a good secondary. I, I think Tampa Bay matches up well against them. I just I don't know the way that Green Bay is rolling offensively. I think I'm going to lean towards Green Bay. I want Green Bay. I want it to be Green Bay, Steve. I want it to be Green Bay so badly. It just scares me. It reminds me of last year, actually, when, you know, the Niners, they smoked them in the regular season. They played them in the NFC Championship, and they, you know, they ran all over them. I think it could – you could look at it that way, but I'm just hoping that this Aaron Rodgers magical ride continues and Devontae Adams goes out there, 12 catches, 185 yards, two scores. If uh, anyone smokes hoping. anyone, you would say it would be Green Bay to Tampa, though, right? Mm. I okay. I guess if, uh, you I know guess. what I'm saying. If, if, if the Bucks are going to win, it's going to be a gritty win. Yes, yeah, I would yeah, I, yeah. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of alluding to. Okay, so we both have Kansas. Uh, we both have Green Bay, Buffalo, and Kansas City. The line is three now, minus three. I would jump on this. I, I would jump on on the Bills actually because you don't know what's happening with Mahomes. I would be shocked if he doesn't play. I'll say that. Um, but I, I think you take the. I think the play this weekend would to be to uh, to take the Bills because. This is a team that we know is, is explosive offensively, not as much as Kansas City. They're coming off a tremendous performance defensively. Uh, you're not going to get Mahomes at 100%, which is obviously a huge, huge uh, key in this game. I still like the Chiefs if Mahomes plays, but if he doesn't play, I- I'm rolling with the Bills, and I-, I think anyone here would agree with that. I, I know, you know Chad Henney had a nice quarter, but – I don't know. I, I, I think that the clear answer, Mahomes plays, you pick the Chiefs. He doesn't play, you pick the Bills. Not to sound mainstream, but that's just hor- sort of how I'm feeling, Teach. I, I would be shocked if Mahomes doesn't play in this game. That means I would be shocked if the Chiefs don't cover three in this game. Because if, if Mahomes is playing, if we're going under the assumption that Mahomes is playing, I think this, you know, great, great season for Buffalo. Again, we talked about it with the Browns where – and Buffalo's in a better spot than the Browns are. But you found your coach, you found your quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. Um, I think this word ends, though, for Buffalo. I would probably like Kansas City 34 to 24 in this game. I think, you know, I, I think a touchdown or a double-digit win uh, is what you're looking at here for Kansas City. I just – I think they're the best team in the league, Steve. And I think with this team fully healthy, if you get Mahomes, as long as he's on that field, I don't really care about the ankle because he can still sling the rock. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey going to prove to be too much. And Stephon Diggs, you want to talk about a guy, Steve, who's just absolutely phenomenal week in, week out this year, could easily make a case for him as the best receiver in the league this year. Um, I think, you know, he'll get his. Josh Allen will do his thing. I think one or two turnovers – uh, could could be their their fatal their fatal flaw yeah. in this game, and for that reason, I like I like I like the Chiefs, and I, I hope the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. You well, know, actually, the, I hope the Packers win the Bowl, but I hope it's Chiefs Packers. The the Bills really have struggled running the ball. Like they really don't have a guy that they, they run the it. ball with. Is it Singletary? Is it Yeldon? Like I I don't know. Is it Zach Moss? Like 
you look at the game against Buffalo, uh, Baltimore, if you just look at like strictly the stats, they ran the ball for 32 yards, Teach. I mean, like, they need to be able to get something from the run game to play Kansas City and to compete with them. Because if they don't and they, they're super one-dimensional, you ain't going to win that way. Like, you're just not going to win that way. And I know that Josh Allen essentially serves as somewhat of a running back, and they do a lot of things with his legs. But they need someone back there that can they can rely on, whether that is – Moss or Singletary or Yeldon, but that's kind of my biggest concern right now. The Chiefs, it's obviously Patrick Mahomes' health, but for the Bills, they have to be able to run the ball. Steve, I don't even think – I think their first 15 plays of the game against Baltimore were – Were passes. Were pass plays? Yeah. Something along those lines. Like, they, they came out with, with 10 straight passes. They don't, they don't even try to run the ball. They don't even give it a shot. They don't, they, they, not at all. Like, and I don't know if – is that the way Brian Dable is going to coach? Like, is that what he's going to do when he goes and coaches the Chargers? Like, is that, is that the play for him? Is that how he's going to coach football? Interesting. I mean, it's fun to watch. But to beat the Chiefs, there's no way, no way you could beat Kansas City and just and hope it's a shootout. Like, that just can't happen. Can't happen. Can't happen. And he, I, we're both rocking with the Chiefs, I assume? Yes, I'm with the Chiefs as well. And really quickly on the yeah, over-unders. My dad put a thumbs up and said that uh, – he put a thumbs up and said he's with the Chiefs as well. Yeah, and I think that's what we really want. We want Mahomes versus Rodgers. I think that that's something that it, – it's sort of like the Kobe and LeBron thing. Like, we, we want to see that. Like, that, that's something that yes. we never got to see yeah. in the finals. This is our Kobe versus LeBron moment where you have the aging Kobe Bryant, the aging Aaron Rodgers versus the new young gun, and LeBron and Mahomes. So, that's something that would be like my comparison. And we all want that's that. That's a beautiful so. comparison. Yeah, we all want that. Um, really quick to teach on the over-unders. 51 for uh, Green Bay and Tampa. W- w- you like the over-under in that? Asking for a friend. I always like over. I always like the over. Okay, and then 54 for the Bills and Chiefs. I said 34 to 24, so that would put me as over as well. 34, 24. That puts you on the spot, right? Or 34, 24. Yeah, right? 44. That's yeah, that's 50. 58, 58. 30 to 24? 34 to 24. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. That's why I'm in 30, this. Not math. Yes, okay. Was my, was, my, was my score. All right. Um, let's go to the NBA. We'll wrap up on this. Um, there has been some some big news with the with the Brooklyn Nets and having James Harden. I, I tell you, Teach, I, you, know, you know, I'm not a huge, huge NBA guy, especially being that the Wolves are just, oh, my God, they're just god-awful. I watched Brooklyn play Orlando a couple nights ago. Was it Saturday night? Yeah, it was Saturday night. And what I saw, and I I really have not seen Durant, I was just floored. 42 points on 18 of 26 shoot. Like, it was just remarkable. He comes down. He is the greatest scorer that I have ever seen. Like, forget Harden. Forget these other guys. Like, Kevin Durant, and we'll get into Harden, but, like, I I don't know if you were able to watch that game. He is just spectacular, Teach. I, I watched the I watched the Aaron uh, Gordon point guard experience for Orlando <laughs> late in that game. If you saw any of that, dude. yes, I did. Uh, about the Nets, let's I'll start with KD, then I'll get into Harden. Um, Kevin Durant is clearly the second best player in the NBA. Clearly the second best player in the NBA. I when I did my like I wrote out my my top twenty players in the NBA before the season started. I had KD at two. Um, you know, I've talked in the chat with Dylan and Kurtzman. Dylan's like, are we sure we could just pencil KD into the second best player in the league? I was very confident in it. From the first his first bucket of the preseason where he just rips through drives baseline dunks, I'm like, yeah, this is Kevin Durant. This is what he does. His game really requires zero athleticism. Kevin Durant is so skilled. People just forgot how skilled Kevin Durant is. Like his handle, get to his spot, rise shot. It's unbelievable 
how good he is. I've said it for the longest time. Kevin Durant's the best scorer I've ever seen in my life. Kobe Bryant's the most skilled scorer. Kevin Durant's the most efficient scorer I've seen in my lifetime. Um, I also think the addition of James Harden, Steve, and now I'm going to be really curious to see how they look with Kyrie. But just what is to, your take uh, on that? Address, him, him, him to Brooklyn. James, first, let's start. Let's start with this. Okay. Brooklyn 100% had to do that trade. They had to. Why? I told you in the beginning of the season. I told you in the beginning of the season. The four best players on the Nets: Kyrie Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Those four can't play on the court together at the same time. So that means your four best players would essentially, in my head, you're playing against the Lakers in the finals. So in order to play against the Lakers and beat them, and you can't have your four best players on the court at the same time, not working, not going to happen. You're not going to win. To even give yourself a chance at beating the Lakers, you have to be able to have all your guys on the court at the same time. Harden, Kyrie, KD, they could all play on the court at the same time. Now, offensively, they'll be phenomenal. Those are three guys late in the game, a one-on-one defense on them. They could get a bucket in any way, shape, or form, all three of them. Kyrie, we've had questions of his ego and his mind. Now could he be the third option? Because he is the third option on that team. Could he be a third option? That's the biggest question. James Harden in that point guard role is perfect. James Harden could come in, and it's not like football where you get a guy in and, you know, he's got to wait two weeks to learn the playbook. No, James Harden has played under Mike D'Antoni for years. Mike D'Antoni is the offensive coordinator, basically, of that Nets team. So he fits right in and can play 40 minutes a night for you immediately. And when James Harden is playing point guard and getting others involved, that's probably when he's at his best. And that's probably gives his team the best chance to win is when he's playing that point guard role. You know what you're going to get from KD. My biggest question is Steve, could Kyrie, could he, could he handle being the third option with this ego? No. Two, how the hell are they going to stop anyone? Cause that's that Deandre Jordan played 38 minutes for them last night, Steve. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan shouldn't – I'm not kidding when I say this. DeAndre Jordan shouldn't play 38 seconds in an NBA game in 2021. He just shouldn't. He's not an NBA caliber player at this point in time. Like, he knows what he's doing out there because he's been in the NBA for so long. He can't guard a soul. He's of no threat offensively. And there are just every other big in the league could do what he does and more at this point. So, I DeAndre Jordan is miserable. They need to figure something out in terms of bringing another big in, whether it be buyout market or somehow they make a trade, even though they just gave up all of their assets. The Nets, in my opinion, final thoughts, they had to do this. Very necessary for them to have a chance against the Lakers in the NBA Finals, which is where I presume them to be. So I'm, I'm, as a Nets fan, I'd be ecstatic about it. You know, I wish, Steve, where we live 45 minutes away from Barclays, I wish I could go watch this in person with my own eyes. It would be an unbelievable watch. I still like the Lakers over them in the Finals, though. I feel like Colin Coward when he has Joel Clad on, where I really just had to cultivate like some sort of a, a a competent take, and then I just kind of let you take the reins because you are the NBA. You're my NBA guy, and I I'm just not. It's hard to get into it when your team is just so impossible to watch. But um, what do you think of the job Nash is doing? Because there's been sort of some some chatter and talk about how he's handled Kyrie. I don't know how he's supposed to handle Kyrie. You know, DeAndre Jordan's playing 38 minutes. What's sort of your feel on, on Steve Nash? Um, Steve Nash is, is not the – he's not the leader of the team. And I don't say that in a negative context. Like, Kevin Durant wanted James Harden, so James Harden's there. Do I know if if, if – Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni and those guys, like obviously they signed off on it, but do, do I know if they like this roster better than the one they had with Jared Allen protecting the paint, holding down the middle with Karis LeVert off the bench, and now your bench is really thin? Like, do, do I know if Steve Nash was fully in on that? I don't. 
But for where he's at, he's in such a tough spot, Steve. First off, it's not going to be easy with Kevin Durant, especially coming off the Achilles injury. It's not going to be easy for you just to come out and win every game you play. That's that's first thing being said. So with you know, and now now you're missing with messing with the roster. Kyrie hasn't been there. You're putting the organization in a really tough spot. I think they did a really good job of just putting their head down and winning some basketball games while this Kyrie nonsense was going yeah, on. Yeah, no, I agree. This story would be. This story would be two times bigger if they lost to Milwaukee, if they lost to Orlando, but they won those games. James Harden looked great. Kevin Durant looked like he's playing at an MVP caliber. So I'm, I'm, people are kind of out on Nash, which I'm, I'll never, ever. It's like Kevin Durant wanted him there. If KD wants you there, you're good in my books. If, if your best player is bought into what you're saying, which Kevin Durant is their best player, and we know James Harden has bought in to Mike D'Antoni for throughout, you know, what, the last six, seven years of his career – I'm in on the coaching staff in Brooklyn. I'm just not in on DeAndre Jordan playing 38 minutes. But what else is he supposed to do? He doesn't have another competent big on his team. And by the way, Kyrie came out today in a press conference and said, quote, there's a lot of family and personal stuff going on. So just want to leave it at that. That was his excuse for his, um, his hiatus. Who, and he hasn't played since January 5th. Um, Find $50,000. So, a lot of stuff. I, you know, the, the Nets are, are kind of like a circus, but the, it's it's working because you know they are essentially uh, nine and six. And you, you're right. Like when they win games, it doesn't. It, everyone forgets about it. So um, swinging it around to the West, Teach, what's kind of your yeah. feel on uh, on the two LA teams? Because it's really just them two, and then I think another significant drop off. I know that the Warriors went into LA last night and won. Steph Curry, twenty six points. But um, give me kind of your feel on the West right now. Uh, I'll start off with last night's game, MLK Day, last game of the day. Um, Lakers blew 19-point lead, worst game of the season, um, in my opinion, for the Lakers. Uh, Kyle Kuzma looked good, but him looking good led to him playing in crunch time, which means Alex Caruso is not on the floor, which means you're going to get defensive breakdowns. You're not going to get loose balls and things like that. We know how I feel about Alex Caruso. Dennis Schroeder looked great. Anthony Davis and LeBron got outscored by Andrew Wiggins and Eric Paschal. If they played 100 times, that that wouldn't happen Ever. 99 times. Tell me how Last bad. Did Wiggins look good? Did. Give me a feel on Wiggins. Let me tell you about Wiggins, Steve. Oh, no. Andrew Wiggins is at the very least bought in. He had three threes in that game last night in a row. They were wide, albeit they were wide open. But defensively, I think, is where Wiggins has made his mark this season. Oh. The Warriors, are, since Draymond has come back, they've been much better defensively. Oubre was good last night, picking up full court the entire night. And Andrew Wiggins did a pretty good job, held his own. LeBron, that was easily LeBron's worst game of the season last night. He, I don't know what the hell he was on. Had a chance to win it at the end. I'm happy, I'm happy Lakers didn't win that game, Steve. They did not deserve to win that game. They should have lost that game for how they played that. Credit to the Warriors. I think when uh, Steph Curry went out and, you know, it was in the beginning of that fourth quarter, you know, he gets his normal five, six-minute break right there and then closes the game. But Wanamaker and those in the bench guys on the Warriors did a phenomenal job of, of staying in the game and hanging in there. So give give credit to the Warriors and how good they have looked since the return of Draymond Green. Obviously, I still have the Lakers as the clear number one team in the West. Like the Clippers have looked good. Nicholas Batum has probably looked a little bit better than people have thought he would. Yeah. Look. But um, I'm still, you know, I'm. I, it's about the playoffs with them, Steve. I just don't. I won't believe in it until I see it in the playoffs. But um, the rest of the West. With that being said. How many teams am I taking over the Warriors in the West besides the Lakers? Okay, you could say the Clippers. I'll give you that. Denver, Portland, Phoenix. Like, all these teams are kind of in the same bubble. Like, yep. the Nuggets have taken a significant step back, losing Grant and Craig and guys like that. Michael Porter Jr. has been out for weeks now. 
um, I, I just think that this, you know, the West is kind of wide open outside of the Lakers. Yeah, and I, I think like teams like Dallas, like they're six and seven, Denver six and seven. Yeah. I think a lot of these teams you're really starting to see the wear and tear. That's why I'm surprised how fast that the Lakers started, even going into the East, and you see the way that even Miami, like five and seven, they lost to Detroit a couple nights ago. I know they won last night, but I don't know. They're, they're dealing with the injury. I think you're really starting to see certain teams that played late in that bubble be affected. But then I look at the the Lakers and they're looking like they don't miss a beat. Like the Lakers sitting right now at 11 and four and you feel really good about them. Yeah. The, Anthony Davis is only averaging 22 and eight right now on 67% from the line. Like Anthony Davis hasn't even played really well yet because he hasn't had to. They're playing like there's nights where Anthony Davis and LeBron are playing 24 minutes. Like the Lakers just they win games by a lot. They're the number one defensive rated team in the league, and they're top five in offense. The only team that's top five in both, and they happen to be number one in defense. Um, they're phenomenal. They're just uh, they're absolutely stacked. Trez has been great. Schroeder's been great. Alex Caruso uh, before last night was shooting 54% from three. Um, Wes Matthews has looked good in spots. Talon has looked good in spots. Kuz is actually having a good year. Like, the Lakers look phenomenal, Steve. And I know, you, oh, it's TJ, so the Lakers. But I was actually really pleasantly surprised that we didn't see any of the are the Lakers in trouble talk today. Like, everyone kind of <laughs> is on the same page. Like, all right, you can't win every game, and the Lakers are still the best team in the league. So I'm, I'm happy that that's where we're at right now because, like you said, they, they you know, Steve, the second night of a back-to-back the other night, uh, LeBron plays against Oklahoma City. You can win that game by 30 without LeBron. Yeah. Why does why LeBron? He's not Lord Magic. He's trying to win the MVP. Like he's yeah. just straight up trying to win the MVP. That's just what it's coming down to here. He doesn't sit out second night of a back to back against Oklahoma City. He could easily sit that game out. Now he plays 25 minutes instead and has a great game. So, um, they're the Lakers look great outside of last night. I think they look phenomenal. Our next seven are on the road. I think six and one, seven and zero is what you're looking at there. TJ, it's always a pleasure. Any final thoughts here? That's your NBA fix, ladies and gentlemen. Any final thoughts here before we sign off for the night? Let's go Packers. Let's go Lakers. Yep. And uh, thank God the Yankees re-signed DJ LeMayo. Yeah. My final <laughs> thought, TJ, uh, Tony Romo really got under my nerves this weekend. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I, I, bad, miss, I, bad miss by him. Everyone loves Tony Romo. Like, I am through and through a Joe Buck, Troy Aikman guy. Um, a Jim Nance, and I used to love Phil Sims. Obviously, they've replaced Phil Sims with Tony Romo. My, my advice to Tony, just can you uh, – we know that you know football. Like, he came onto the scene, and, you know, broadcasting means a lot to me, right? Because I listen to it, and some of my friends, like, yes. they listen to it even more extensively because I'll point out, like, this is not good or this is really good by him because the normal fan doesn't appreciate – how hard this thing is to do. Like it really is hard to do the timing, what you're giving me. You're not just talking to talk. Uh, Romo, you know, jumped onto the scene. He's calling out plays before it happens. It's cool in the beginning. And then I think he's kind of like hit a plateau a little bit. And my best advice to him is just let the game breathe a little bit more, Tony. Like I, I respect his opinion. He's super smart, but sometimes in those types of games, you don't know everything. You don't know that they're not going to snap the ball at fourth and inches. You don't know that Andy Reid is bluffing or not. Stop. You just don't assume. I understand you have to, you know, call the game. But in that moment, let the game breathe. I like it, Steve. That's it. That's it. All right, Teach, take it away. <laughs> Everyone, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. Make sure you guys go and subscribe to Steve's stuff. Follow him as well. 
Dad, thank you for, for sitting here listening to the podcast. Let me and Steve do the podcast. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Steve, my guy, appreciate you, brother. Uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Teach, Tommy, love you guys.